Welcome to session number 208 of the Scanner School podcast. Today we're talking about home weather stations. You may be asking yourself, well, why are we talking about home weather stations on a scanner radio podcast? Well, that's because there are plenty of things that go hand in hand between these two hobbies. How you doing? My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and my amateur radio call sign is W2LIE. And if you haven't already guessed it, yes, we're talking about home weather stations on the podcast today. And we also have a great weather discussion group over on our Discord community. So if you haven't yet checked out our Discord community, please go to scannerschool.com slash Discord. And I am speaking at Ham Radio University 2022. You can find out more information about Ham Radio University and to book your admission, I guess is a better way to say it. Go to hamradiouniversity.org. Now, I am going to be giving a forum on scanner radios. So this will be basically how to get started in the scanner radio hobby, what you need to do. And it's going to be kind of tailored to the Long Island, New York area. But a lot of it is going to be something that you can take away from no matter where you live. So if you want a basic introduction, again, or a refresher in the scanner radio hobby that's limited to about 45 minutes, go to hamradiouniversity.org, and it's going to be January 8th, I think around 10 or 11 a.m. is when I am scheduled to speak. But again, hamradiouniversity.org, I'll be speaking on the first Saturday, I think it's the first Saturday of the new year. Yeah, I know it's January 8th. Okay, so why weather? Why are we talking about home weather stations today on the podcast? Well, the first reason really is because I just finished putting up another weather station here at my house. So we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes here. But there are plenty of things that go hand in hand when it comes to scanning and knowing what's going on with the weather. For example, wildfires, forest fires, right? You want to know the direction and the speed of the wind in order to know what direction things are moving in. You want to know, get a heads up basically if it's time to get out of town or get out of Dodge. But you also may want to know what agencies to turn on or where they might be going next or something like that will help you with your scanner radio monitoring. You'll know what departments might be getting activated next you know, what state or other agencies may be involved with that. Another natural disaster that goes right along with scanning is flooding. Yes, a home weather station may not tell you exactly where flooding is, but you can tell the current rain rate of the storm, how many inches or centimeters per hour is happening right now, right? I guess you guys on the metric system talk centimeters per hour. In freedom units here, it's inches per hour. But this will tell you not only, right, how fast the rain is currently coming down, you know, whether or not it's cats and dogs out there, but you'll know how much we've had on the ground in the last day, in the last week, in the last month, right? How saturated is the ground? So not only can this help you with flooding and flash flooding, and rescue efforts, but this could lead into down trees. Because once you start having saturated ground space and then high winds, think about it. Now you have down trees, down utility poles, down wires, trees on homes, road closures. There's a lot of stuff that can happen due to weather 
that you're going to want to be prepared for to listen to on your scanner. So we just talked about wildfires, flash flooding, weather-related accidents. Well, this leads us right into search and rescue. Where might a search and rescue exercise take place? Think about Katrina, right? Where they had a whole bunch of helicopters come in and they were just plucking people off of their roofs. Think about other situations where you've had massive flooding or disasters and something like that. Even when they're trying to pull people out of destroyed areas, right? Search and rescue. You've also got Skywarn. Skywarn is a network of volunteers who are trained weather spotters who report back in weather phenomenon to the National Weather Service or to Skywarn nets on amateur radio. So you may find out, which now leads us to a next point, where a tornado might be touching down or the direction of a tornado, where flash flooding is happening, the rate of the uh, rainfall, right? But again, during hurricane and tornado season, you may be listening to the weather and you might be listening to your local spotters on the ground, the weather network. And again, they may be using something like GMRS, FRS, or amateur radio to communicate. But even still, you may want to know what the weather is at home just for your own safety. Do your antennas need to come down? Do they need to be reinforced? Do you have to go out there and just double check all of your tie downs and your guy wires? I know I do when it gets to be really windy out. In fact, that's an exercise I normally do this tiny time of year is I just make sure that all the Dacron rope that is basically triangulating my HF antenna is nice and tight so that that antenna is not whipping around or the guy wire is not going to snap on me. Okay. But there's also some people out there that are pretty smart and well above my pay grade. And they know how to take the wireless transmitter data from their sensors. They use a software-defined radio to sniff out their serial numbers. And they pull that, add it into a spreadsheet or into a SQL database. And then now they are plotting this information on their own websites or for their own use at home. Now, they're using applications such as RTL 433 to do something like this, but there's a lot of stuff that people are doing by sniffing the RF, sniffing the data right out of the air. It's amazing what you see online, and a lot of stuff you can find out on some of the weather forums that are available to you. Now, before we get any further in this week's podcast, I want to take a few minutes to thank our Patreon supporters. Now, Patreon is an affordable way for you to support the podcast and our upcoming expansion into YouTube for 2022. So think of Patreon as the PBS model of helping out Scanner School. For a monthly or yearly donation, not only do you help support the podcast, but depending on your donation tier, you will receive certain benefits. The most popular benefit tier being our $5 a month, or the $51 a year tier. It's the same tier. We just discount if you can pay us over a year. Now, this tier offers the podcast and YouTube videos early. And also, you receive a free squelchy pack of stickers, several discounts, and access to our monthly live scanner radio roundtable discussion we hold monthly on Zoom. Oh, and by the way, most of the Patreon levels also get a special version of the podcast that does not include the middle advertising break in each episode. Now find out more about Patreon and our supporting tiers by visiting scannerschool.com slash Patreon. 
I'd also like to take a moment here and thank all of our Patreon supporters. Alan Gonzalez, Arthur Heron, Bill K, Brandon Sammons, Brian King, Buzz Gold, Chris Paris, Craig Harper, Dan, Dave Pascoe, David C, Denny Crotty, Ed Walsh, Edward Bramlick, Floyd Goff, Glenn Wright, Greg Johnson, Guy Lee, Jack Haycock, Jacob Jamison, Jack Berry, James Broxson, James Felling, James Peruta, Jay Reed, Jeff Block, Jeff Chapman, Jeff McLeod, Jenny Taylor, Jim B, Jim Heinrich, John Kordoff, John Keel, John Sweeney, John Goldenberg, Joshua Robb, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Les Stevenson, Lynn Smith, Mark Beebe, Mason Kramer, Michael Gorman, Michael Kroger, Nicholas Stenger, Paul Teal, Paul Sesh, Randy Cummings, Raymond Hill, Ronnie Box, Sal Marandola, Scott Lefgren, Terry Weatherford, Tim Mazza, Todd Glendie, and William Arcand. All right, so let's run down some topics here when it comes to picking and choosing a weather station. Now, when I was picking my weather station, I basically split things in half here, right? You have two options, wired or a wireless. All right, so when it comes to wired, the installation is a little bit more complicated because now you have to have a physical connection between where you want to put your desktop display and where the weather station is going to be. But on the other side, now when you're wired, you have a constant commercial power source available to you. Wireless makes things very easy to install. Just put the wireless weather station somewhere in your yard and put the receiver somewhere in your house where the two can communicate. Wireless weather stations typically run off of batteries. Most of the time, they will recharge those batteries using solar. But why do they need to have batteries? Because at night, there's no sun, so they still need to fall back to that kind of power. So we've gone through already wired versus wireless and the power types, right? Wired, commercial power, battery, and solar. What kind of display are you looking to use in your home weather station? This should be the next question you have. And this is something where I kind of fell short on on my very first weather station. I originally built a one-wire weather. So this was a wired weather station that needed a computer. And most most uh, of the one-wire weather stations ran on Linux or Raspberry Pis. I thought that because the sensors were cheaper and things were an open community, that I'd be able to build a better weather station for a cheaper price. I would have been better off in the end just getting something that was commercial, but we all kind of live and learn here, right? This is all kind of the part of learning and being part of a hobby. So what kind of display types are we talking about here? Again, computer-only display. This means that your weather station must be connected to a computer in order to pull the data out of the weather station and show it to you. You could have a control panel, which is what I have basically now. It's a box that sits on my desk that has a readout of all of my sensors on the display. You could have a web interface. This is something that instead of using just your computer or a standalone display, it uses the internet to then display the data back to you in a website. There are weather stations out there that only use smartphone apps to show you the weather. So this might be something that is good for you if that's all you want to do is just look at your smartphone and say, okay, I know what the temperature is outside. But that means you've always got to have your smartphone on you. You can't just look at the kitchen counter or your desk and see what the weather is. 
But again, if you have a spare tablet or a spare phone laying around that you no longer use, then yeah, you could use that to display your weather station's data. Now, with all of these, you can also have custom alerts that show up on your phone or even on your email because if you're typed into the internet, you can set thresholds. And of course, my weather station, even though it's a, a wireless with a control panel, but it's also hooked into the internet and I can actually have it send me text messages when certain things happen. If it's too cold out, if it's too hot out, if the wind is too, too, too fast, if the rain rate is too much, I can get all of these alerts on my phone. This brings up our next bullet point here, subscription services. Sometimes you may have to pay to get access to the data that you are providing. So think about that as well. What other types of displays are there out there? Well, we talked about web interfaces, but there's also software out there that allows you to embed your information onto your own website. So think about running your own weather information on a public accessible location, such as your personal web place, your own personal website, a signature in your email, or if you have a community, you could even display the weather on your community's page. So there's a lot of different ways that you can display information from your own personal weather station so that you can pull the data out of it and see what's happening locally. All right, let's talk about trends for a second, because this is something that you're going to want to be able to gain access to out of your personal weather station here. You're going to want to know basically what the highs and lows are for a day, right? What was, because again, that's what they talk about on the news, right? On the weather, you know, today's high is going to be X number of degrees and today's low is going to be whatever. You can pull that information off your weather station and see what the high and low is of the day. You can see the high and low of the week, of the month, and of the year. This should be something built into pretty much every weather station out there. You can also possibly, I know I can on mine, I can pull out the max sustained winds and the direction of the wind and wind gusts. I can pull out the highest rainfall day of the week, of the month, and of the year. So there's a lot of data you could start pulling out of just your home weather station that'll actually give you clues as to just how bad that storm was that just went overhead as compared to other storms that you might have had. So how big of a kit do you need? How big of a weather station is required to get started here? Well, there's just a couple of simple things that you really need, right? You need an anemometer, which I always say wrong, anemometer, as I hope I'm saying it right, it tells you how fast the wind is blowing. You need a wind vane. That will tell you the direction of the wind. You need a thermometer to tell you the temperature. And it's always good to have a humidity sensor, obviously, for the humidity, right? So with those basic components, you've got a really basic weather station. However, on top of that, Having a barometer will tell you the pressure. The higher the pressure, the better the weather. The lower the pressure, the low, the worse the weather. And of course, it always helps to have a tipping rain bucket. That'll tell you how fast the rain is falling and how much rain has fallen. Those are great to have. 
If you want to know the dew point, you need temperature and humidity. If you want to know the heat index, again, temperature and humidity. If you want to know the wind chill, you need temperature and wind speed. And a change in forecast requires the barometer. We just talked about the barometer. All right, let's talk about some other optional weather sensors to really blow your budget when it comes to a home weather station. You could look for a wet leaf sensor, which will tell you how much moisture is currently on vegetation. You can go for a soil moisture meter, which will tell you how much or how damp the soil is. These two are great for people who are really into gardening. A UV sensor will tell you how much UV is coming down. So do you need sunscreen on today, right? Also, you've got solar radiation and even air quality sensors that can be added to a home weather station. So you could really have, if you start adding all these sensors on here, you could have a very, very professional-based or quality weather station right on your garage. It's amazing what you can do. And again, a lot of these stations, you could just keep adding bits and pieces to it as you grow into the station. But one of the things I recommend highly is a pagoda on your weather station. This is basically a radiation shield. What you do is you take your thermometer and you put it inside the pagoda. This keeps air flowing through the sensor and it allows the sensor basically not to bake in the sun. It allows the wind to naturally aspirate, I guess you could say, my weather station, again, I went above and beyond, and I bought a fan-aspirated weather station. This way I know I constantly have air moving over my thermometer, so I have a very valid temperature reading, especially in the summertime. Now, there's a lot more we can talk about when it comes to home weather stations, and we're going to talk about those right after this short break. And as a reminder, anybody who is a $3 a month Patreon supporter does not have to listen to this upcoming commercial break. So we'll be right back. Hey, did you realize it takes us almost $100 a week just to have this podcast episode professionally edited and sent over to you? This doesn't even include website and podcast hosting, administrative help, and other monthly subscriptions that are required to put the podcast out there. Now, you can help us offset these costs when you shop online. So if you're looking for a scanner radio or some software, looking to bid on items over on eBay, or if you're looking to purchase anything, and I mean anything, on Amazon, you can help support Scanner School in the process. And this doesn't come at any extra cost to you. So please check out ScannerSchool.com support for the multiple different ways that we have out there that you can help support us when you shop online. Again, scannerschool.com slash support. Are you looking to learn more about the scanner radio hobby? We currently have courses on how to get started and up and running with software-defined radios and how to turn your SDR into a fully functioning scanner radio. With free software, you can see more and do more with trunking than ever before. And with new courses scheduled for the upcoming months, our offerings will be expanding into both Uniden and Whistler hardware and software. Check out our courses at courses.scannerschool.com or by looking for the link in this podcast description. 
National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, MURS, and two-way radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your NatCom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio Magazine, as well as back issues, too. Visit NatComMag.com to download your free sample issue and sign up today. Did you know that a pager can make a great addition to your scanner radio collection. And even if I didn't own East Coast pagers, I still have one or maybe a couple of pagers as a part of my scanner radio setup. This is because a pager can be used to just monitor your local fire department or your regional departments. And if you set it up correctly to alert you when the tones are sent over the air, then the pager will remain silent until you need to know what is going on. This frees up your scanner to monitor everything else that's going on beside your local stuff or can prevent you from missing the local stuff because your scanner is busy doing other things. Now, pagers aren't just limited to fire dispatches anymore. Unication has great solutions to monitor both analog and P25 paging systems where many public safety and police departments are switching over to. Swissome and Apollo make great analog solutions as well, and all three still sell Pogsag and Flex pagers, still in use by many departments for text alerting. East Coast Pagers is an Apollo, Swissome, and Unication dealer serving the North American market, and of course is one of my online companies. So if you're looking for a personal use pager or one for your department, contact us for a free quote and let us know you're a Scanner School listener for something a little extra with your order. For all full inventory or to request a quote or just to contact us, please visit eastcoastpagers.com. All right, so you've got this massive weather station that now you own or you're looking to buy, but you want to do more with the data besides just know what's going on on your desk, right? How can you share your data? Well, we just talked about one, right? Personal use. It sits on home, at home, on your desk. You know what's going on with it. You can also log it to your computer. So these first two things here is what I'm doing right away. I got my display unit. I have a serial adapter inside of it that goes to my, my computer, and I'm logging the data locally. But then you can send it to other community resources, such as Weather Underground. Now, if you do that, I believe you actually get perks from Weather Underground where you don't get the ads, so that's the way it used to be. You can send the data to the Civilian Weather Observation Program. You can take that weather data and send it out over amateur radio via APRS. There's also PWS Weather and also GLOBE, which is the Global Learning and Observations to Benefit the Environment. That's what it stands for. So there's several ways that you can use your home weather station to kind of put visibility in the microclimates around your community. So just because National Weather Service has their own weather station they have access to wherever they are, plus airports and stuff like that, your personal weather station can start to make up their their weather alerting, right? Because they see certain things happening. Your information can start to fine-tune their models. So let's talk about what type of weather station to buy. Well, how big of a weather station do you need? We talked about a lot of sensors here. 
And I think it really comes down to what sensors do you want to have versus what sensors do you need to have? And that was a question that I had to go through personally as I was rebuilding my weather station. Because again, I'm on my second or third weather station now. Actually, my third weather station. So the first weather station I had was wired and it ran only through a computer. And I was kind of building it as I went along, right? So I definitely had a wind vane and an anemometer and a thermometer. And I was able to grab bariatric pressure and humidity and also the rainfall. But I also added a lightning sensor to it. And I added some other sensors that kind of failed and did not work well. I mean, at this point right now, that weather station is still in the back of my garage, but it's basically seized up. <laughs> it's, 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 it needs a good soak in oil or a replacement of the bearings, but I kind of gave up on it. The other weather station I had was a peep brother station, and that worked well, but we just didn't... Uh, I used it for a club, and we did not buy the barry, barometric pressure sensor for that weather station. And it was really an oversight. We figured, ah, we don't need it. But it ended up being one of these things that we really quickly wish that we had added to the weather station. And in order to add that to the weather station, we had to then send back our control head and then pay for an upgrade and get a new one back that actually had the sensor inside of it. We never did that. And then Pete Brothers went out of business. So that one's also wired. It works great. It's a beautiful weather station. It was pretty affordable, but they just went out of business, and it's really it's really sad to see them go out. Right now, I have a Davis weather station, and again, we'll talk more about that at the end, but I kind of just went, where am I going to end up being eventually on this weather station? And I bought a lot of my sensors up front because I knew I would be needing pretty much all of them. So it's a need versus a want is really what it comes down to. What sensors do you need to get the information you want to have? A big factor here is going to be your budget. See, the weather station I just bought was about $1,000. But there's weather stations out there you can buy for less than $100. There's a sweet spot in the middle. Different manufacturers have different price points on their weather stations. So just because my station cost about $1,000 doesn't mean you need to spend $1,000 to get the same kind of information out of your weather station. I went with Davis because they've been around for ages. I know they are a high-quality weather station. And I decided to treat myself because, again, I know other people who have Davis Weather Stations and they kind of stand behind their product. The next question you need to ask yourself is where will you be mounting the weather station? Again, is it going to be local to where you live or are you going to be monitoring a remote location? Maybe you have a second house or a hunting cabin. Maybe you have a tower somewhere or a rooftop uh, transmitter site and you just want to know how fast the wind is blowing up there or how cold it's going to get when you get there. These are kind of things you need to wonder and, and think about because if you're going to be monitoring a remote station, you need to be able to get that data somewhere in the cloud or on a platform that you can see remotely. If you're looking at it locally, then maybe you can go with a wired station. Maybe you have to have a better heads-up display or, or a control panel than something that's very basic that would be just in a remote area. Or maybe... If you have remote area, you don't even need a heads-up display. I know Davis makes these uh, boxes that just collects the wireless data and pipes it right to the internet. So there's a lot of different things to think about as far as just where are you planning on putting this weather station. And again, where on your home 
are you going to plan on putting this weather station? Is it accessible? Because there will be some maintenance required. You're going to have to empty out the rain bucket to make sure there's no debris in there. No bird droppings, right? No twigs, nothing like that. You don't want to clean out any spiders and cobwebs, right? Make sure things are flowing and moving easily. But again, wired or wireless is going to also dictate where exactly you're going to put that weather station. And again, do you need to share and log data? Because again, I had to pay extra for the expansion card on my Davis system in order to plug it into the computer. And finally, we just talked about it before, you have to maintain this. So how easy will it be to maintain the weather station? So let's talk about some weather stations that are available right now. Basic weather stations can be found on Amazon. In fact, we'll just put a, a link to some of these in the show notes, in the session notes below, or in your podcast player on where to get some of these weather stations. But again, Amazon really has a lot of these stations out there. Lacrosse has been out there for years and years and years. This would be your bare bones, entry level, just getting started with a weather station type of manufacturer. Not that there's anything wrong with lacrosse. They, I, I, I've had weather stations from lacrosse, and I actually still have remote sensors that I, I use to monitor, say, my attic space, just to see how warm it is up in the attic in the summertime. That's lacrosse, okay? Ambient weather makes some really nice wireless weather stations, and they've got some gorgeous display units in color. Even Accurite has got some beautiful displays out there. Mine is... Is just LCD. It's bare bones. No fancy colors at all. I wish for the amount of money I paid for my weather station, it looked as pretty as the ambient weather or the Accurite. Kind of a new player on the block is Tempest Weather. And they are basically building themselves around the ability to plug into smart homes and that kind of an infrastructure. So they'll interface with Alexa and Siri. They are pretty much self-contained units that you can just mount on a pole and everything is contained into what looks to be like a, a cylinder. So the weather, the I'm sorry, the wind components are all like a semi-sonic, I guess they consider it to be. There's no moving parts whatsoever here. Very interesting and only a couple hundred dollars. And I really thought about buying myself a Tempest weather station when I was revisiting the idea of buying another weather station. And in the end, I just thought, still new guy on the block. Maybe I'll give him a couple years to see what happens with them. Being now, what I see today versus what I saw last year when I was buying my weather station, Tempest is really coming quite a long way as far as what they offer. A lot of people online are very happy with Tempest weather stations. And I wouldn't be afraid to actually give a unit or two away as a gift if for somebody who's looking for a weather station. It's, it's really a nice, self-contained weather station. But the Cadillac, the Rolls-Royce, the Bentley of weather stations for a long time has been Davis. Again, that's the one I bought. Not to flex, but just to show you at what my method of thinking was when I came to buying my personal weather station. And again, I went all out. I've got the UV meters. I've got the solar sensors on there. I, I think I pretty much just went went along the, the catalog and just went all the way to the right and said, yeah, 
It's wireless. It's solar. It's fan aspirated. It's the big guy. It's the big guns. And that's where I went. But again, you don't have to go that far on a basic home weather station. But you can if you want. And, and that's what I like. I, it's part of the hobby that I enjoy. And again, I've been in, active with Skywarn. And I've gone through a couple of tropical storms here and hurricanes and everything else. So just knowing right, what is available and what I can receive on my own personal weather station and again, use that to understand what activity might be on the scanner to me is important because, again, I don't have access right now to listen to the local police department because they are encrypted. But I can tell, right, just how fast the wind is blowing that I can be expecting, okay, we're going to get some down trees today. We might lose power, right? You're going to know that it's going to hit the fan. And that's why having a personal weather station even a basic one, can really help you out with scanning. This is another example or maybe one of the first of many examples we're going to talk about on the podcast on where one hobby can help you with the scanner radio hobby and also where the scanner radio hobby can help you enjoy the other hobby as well. So we're talking today right, about how weather monitoring can help you with your scanner radio monitoring and vice versa. So how do we do today? What are your thoughts when it comes to home weather stations? Let us know by jumping into our Discord server and talking about it in our weather channel. You can leave a comment below if you're listening to this podcast on our YouTube channel, or you can go to our website, scannerschool.com slash session 208, and leave a comment there on the podcast page. Now, as a reminder, I am always looking to answer more of your questions. And you can ask me your questions by going to scannerschool.com slash ask. Those podcast episodes air on the first Tuesday of every month. And I need your questions. So please pick up the phone and dial 516-308-2885 or by using the SpeakPipe link over at scannerschool.com slash ask. If you know of somebody that will benefit from today's podcast episode, please share the podcast episode with them. That is how we can hit our goal of helping more people with the scanner radio hobby. So please forward this podcast episode to them. So with that, I'm going to say 73. We will catch you all again next week. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and this is Scanner School, where we teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. 73.